Perfect. And it's going to sound exactly how it sounds. This is how the room sounds. I don't do an intro for Let Go and Let God. I like to do the cold open for free live cams, but um, right. normally I just start because it's usually it's just me by myself. <laughs> um, so I have some questions for you. First so you're not foremost, even going to tell people who I am? No, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you introduce yourself. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm just telling people this is a Q&A, a Q&A segment. You can already tell I'm not by myself. <laughs> my loyal, my seven loyal listeners. Okay, well, I'm Chayalea, and I'm your friend. And I'm here to talk about God and religion and anything you want to talk about. And you're a famous podcaster. I mean, I'm a podcaster, kind of. <laughs> Definitely not famous. Maybe a podcaster. Getting famous. Niche famous. Niche. Famous in the yeah. Hasidic Jew community. That's true, yeah. Um, anyone who listening to this probably knows who you are. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I could name you the seven people who listen to this show off the top of my head, and you're one of them. Okay. So there are only six people I have to remember. Um, but if you are listening and you don't know Hialeah, welcome. Or if you are listening because you know Hialeah and don't know me. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm Jay. This is Let Go and Let God, a two-year podcast project where I read the Bible from front to back out loud for an hour every Sunday. <laughs> the dumbest bit I've ever committed to. So, season one, Old Testament. Yeah. Season two, New Testament. Season three, apparently there's a whole bunch of the Bible I didn't know existed. So, shouts out to Alma for t- telling me that there was more eventually, and then I had to take a break because once I finished, I was like, okay, I need <laughs> some time off. Um, so, I'm going to be reading the Apocrypha, and this is my plan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read every book in one sitting. Wow. And I'm, it's just going to take how long it takes. Wow. And I think what I want to do is I want to live stream it. Oh, that's So I want to do idea. like a YouTube feed or a Twitch feed because that will make me feel better about not editing it before I release it. Yeah. Because I can't do the whole like multi-hour chunk. And then how many, how are you going to decide what is part of the Apocrypha? And what is not? Okay, see, I didn't know this was a question I had to answer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure. (laughs) But I don't know in terms of, like, how Christians view it. So I don't know. So how do the Jews view it? Because, okay, um, so the reason why I brought you on is because you mentioned recently that you've been thinking on the Apocrypha. And I wanted, like, a primer. Because my first question is literally, like, what is it? And how did I not know it existed? Right, so the... The Hebrew Bible is comprised of 24 books, and that was canonized by the rabbis, right, roughly 2,000 years ago, let's say. Okay. And it was very specific, right? I mean, they, there's the five books of Moses, there are the prophets, and then there's the writings, and that comes out to 24 books. And until, you know, kind of the destruction of the Second Temple, which was about 2,000 years ago, or or as Christians probably say, the time of Jesus, um, but we refer to it as, like, the destruction of the Second Temple period, um, you know, people had scrolls, right, in their homes, so mm-hmm. it was not a big deal. You didn't have to know, like, what was in and what was out of the Bible, because, like, you right. just had scrolls on your shelf or whatever, but once they started, like, putting them into books or to a codex or whatever you know when they started like binding things together Mm. it had they had to determine like what's going to be in here and what's not going to be in here and so the rabbis did that and we have a um, reference in the Talmud to it Josephus has a reference to like what's part of the Old Testament what we what we call the Hebrew Bible or what you call the Old Testament um, the Torah and so anything that's not included in those 24 books is considered out of Fan fiction. Fan. Well, like somebody, but it's somebody complicated, right? Chat. It's yeah, kind of, but it's 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 complicated because some of the books are wisdom books, and they are books that are in alignment with Torah, with the Bible, um, but for different reasons, the rabbis didn't include them. So, okay, the Hebrew. Okay, so you said the term the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. Is that a term the Jews use? No. No. We use the, it, when we talk about the 24 books of the Torah, we either call it Torah mm-hmm. or the Tanakh, which is a acronym basically for Torah, 
It's a Hebrew acronym for Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, which stand for the Torah, which are the five books of Moses. Mm-hmm. Nevi'im are prophets, and then Ketuvim are the writings. So the writings include Psalms, the you know Lamentations, the Book of Esther, um, the Book of Chronicles. You know anything that's not a the Book of Job is one. Things that are not the prophets, which the prophets are, you know, Joshua, Judges, um, you, Samuel, you Kings. Count judges is the yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like earlier. It's basically kind of chronological, although not exactly. Right. Because some of the books, like Lamentation, or books like um, I don't see, I don't know the words in English. Off, it's very hard for me. Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like those books are. Um, written by different people. Right. Um, so that, that's not really in chronological order. Like Psalms is written by King David, yeah. right? And King David's story is told in the book of Kings, right? So yeah. it's not... And sort of in Chronicles too, right? right? Chronicles like... is like a review of... So I'm, I'm doing a Bible in the year. Well, it's, it's a reading plan. It's through like a brand. And they have a reading plan and they have a podcast. So it's Father Mike Schmitz. Mm-hmm. And he records a certain segment. And so... We write where we are right now, which is early May, is Chronicles mm-hmm. and First and Second Samuel, mm-hmm. um, and so David is fresh on the mind uh, because that's where we're at right now. Um, but he talks a lot about like the difference between Chronicles and like whichever one was written at the time, and then the one that was written Later, afterwards. Yeah. Um, and how it's like, it's the same story, but it's a different perspective. And then when you get time away, that gives you time to like reflect on like the substance and the why, instead of just like the historical documentation of these events, which is pretty interesting. I mean, and that's like, it's nice to go through it and, and like hear someone else's not perspective, but like study of it. Yeah, we definitely don't read the Bible as a history book. I mean, we do That's in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it's our history. It's I the mean, history Jews of feel culture. right. Yeah. The Jews definitely feel like this is a story of our people and mm. the creation of the Jewish nation, and right. you know, and it is historical. I mean, we feel that it's historical, but we definitely view the Bible more as a religious doctrine. You know, where yeah. it's like the lessons, and so if there are inconsistencies, you know, t- with the timeline or like, yeah. it doesn't bother us. Like, like well, just, actually, yeah, no, like it won't, it's not going to like disrupt <laughs> how we think about the story or whatever. Yeah. It will be like, okay, I mean, whatever. That's kind of secondary to like the lesson that we're trying to get out of the story or right. that person or whatever. So the five books of Moses are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, mm-hmm. Numbers, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yeah. Yeah, and it ends with the death of Moses. And then the prophets start with Joshua and the Jews coming into the land of Canaan and the, you know, recapturing. Canaan. Yeah, Can- Canaan. I've always said it. Can- I mean, I don't. I, I, I literally, I, honestly. No, that's in English, it's Canaan. I think Canaan. I, I would like. I, I only learned Torah and Hebrew, and, and like, so it's. Yeah. I mean, we translated it into English, but like, I, the words, the places, the yeah, names yeah, yeah. were never said in English. So it's really <laughs> hard for me to like. No, I like it. I, what I want season, season four will be, um, We'll we'll go back and I'll read all the names. Yeah, and you can tell me how fucked up it is. Oh my god, I get, I literally get confused. Like like Yeshayahu and Yermiahu are Isaiah and Jeremiah, but like I always forget which one is, is which. Jeremiah. I know now. I know because now I, I've said yeah. it enough. But like as a kid, right. I, I never heard the words Jeremiah. Like I yeah. I didn't know that that was a prophet. I knew Yermiahu. Like yeah, of yeah. course, one of the major prophets. But like I didn't, you know. Solomon? Like, what is that? <laughs> that was so weird to me. What's Solomon? Um, my brother's girlfriend is Jewish. And so she... My first Passover was my brother's first Passover, mm. which was very exciting to do it separately. Yeah. Um, and I was like, how was it? And he was like, we drank a lot. And I was like, <laughs> I've heard that's how it's supposed to go. Um, but <laughs> so we were all together recently. And she was like... Oh, you asked a question. You asked a question um, in the car on the way back from Passover, and I didn't have an answer for you. And and they were both like trying to figure out like what this question was. And I was like, I don't know what you got. Like, and then eventually, my brother's girlfriend was like, 
you asked if the Jews think Jesus was a real person. And oh. we were like in a museum cafe and I was just like, oh my God. That's so funny. I was like, I can't have this conversation in this place right now. That's so funny. But so like my answer, and then please, I would love to hear your answer. Oh, and then I want to go back to the Apocrypha. Yeah. But um, I was like, well, they definitely don't believe he was the son of God. Right. But he was, a. it's like, Okay, so then I, I then I now I feel uncomfortable ask, answering definitively, but like so I then I feel confident answering. Right, but like, do Jews all feel the same way about this? If he was a real person or not, like, was he a, a historical figure, or is it just like this is a thing that other people like a story that is not related to us at all? So there's very 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 little mention of Jesus in any kind of Jewish text or anything right the Talmud maybe like a couple of very very like vague references yeah um, so there wasn't I've never heard anyone say he wasn't a real person I think everyone agrees that there was someone who lived whose name was Jesus or Yeshu yeah. in Hebrew and like I think that's definitely true and he was probably a rabbi in, in Israel like yeah. that all of that I think we accept to be true um, but obviously it's the rest. Like uh, no one, you know, Jews are very, the rest. you know, I mean, Jews are very uniform in the belief that like either he was not the Messiah and he's not the son of God or any of that stuff. So, um, it's, it's interesting because it's actually the one common denominator amongst all Jews. And if a Jew believes in Jesus, like they're really outside of the camp. Like I work for an organization that's very much pluralistic, open tent. Everybody should be yeah. included no matter, like we have many atheist Jews. I mean, Jews are known to be atheists, mm -hmm. right? Like I mean, we have all kinds, but anyone who's a Jew who like says they believe in Jesus, like they're out, like they're not <laughs> included. Like they I... can't even go on birthright. I mean, that's how wow. yeah, Jews for Jesus cannot, Messian what they're called Messianic Jews yeah. are not, um, can't go on birthright. So, um, I <laughs> told this story recently to a friend and he was like, you literally tell this story every time Jews for Jesus come up. So I'm going to tell it here now again on purpose. Um, but I went out with a girl who was Jewish and this was like five years ago and there's a Jews for Jesus office, like right near where we are. Oh. So I used to walk by it like on lunch breaks or taking walks or whatever. And I'd like have, had, have no idea anything about it. Yeah. And so I mentioned it on a date, you know, made some joke about Jews for Jesus or whatever. And she did not think it was very funny. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was just being, I was just. It's a, it's a sore point for Jews. And like, quite frankly, if they didn't proselytize and like call themselves Jews, no one would care. Huh. It's the fact that they. If they were know, just like, you know, ancient Christians. Or yeah, like, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. couldn't care less about that. It's the fact that they come in and they come into Jewish places and, you know, wear a kippah and act like they're Jewish huh. and then will kind of slip in, you know. <laughs> it, it's interesting. I'll tell you a funny story, actually. There's yeah. a rabbi. His name is Rabbi Tuvia Singer who kind of goes around and deals with, like, these issues and he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And he, like, argues with Christians about yeah. religion. He's interesting. So when I was in high school... They called us into the multi-purpose room one day where we used to have our assemblies. And there's a guy up there, and he's wearing a kippah, and he looks yeah. kind of, you know, he looks Jewish, and he's wearing a t-shirt that, you know, has like a big Star of David on it. And he starts speaking, we're all sitting there, and he basically starts preaching about Jesus and like the New Testament and how like that's also Jewish and like oh and God. we were like what the fuck and like I I mean girls like I went to an all-girls Jewish high school and like girls were literally like foaming at the mouth like screaming at him like get out of here like what are you even talking about and, like arguing with him like there's oh. no proof for that and I'm here what about this text and what about this text and like on and on and on and so that the room was like so I mean the tension was so big and then he walked out like, he finished his thing, we yeah. finished, he walked out, and the room just erupted in screams, and then he came back in, and he was this rabbi, Rabbi Tobias Singer, and he's like, I go to schools, and he introduced himself, he's like, I go to schools to do this, because we are trying oh. to help you guys be ready for, like, when people challenge you, and, like, what are, how are you going to handle it? He's like, I was so impressed with you guys, like, you were all over it, like, wow. and then he ended up, we, we it was great, he spent, oh. like, two hours with us oh afterwards, God. kind of, like, going through a bunch of things, and, like, yeah. You know, Your talking points. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember something he said that was like a light bulb in my head. He's like, a lot of missionaries are going to say to you, 
like, what about Isaiah 51 or whatever? I don't remember which one is the famous Isaiah that, you know, tries to prove that Jesus could have been whatever. One of those, yeah. And he's like, when someone says that to you, you say, do you open a book and just like randomly start from chapter 51? Like you start from chapter <laughs> one, word one. Like what about Genesis one, verse one? And yeah. then read through the whole thing and then tell me about Isaiah 51. Don't tell me yeah. Isaiah 51. So it's just funny. Like I remember that from that time. <laughs> Well, great. Now I have a second Jews for Jesus story that yeah, I exactly. can tell. Um, because clearly the the one about the girl I went out with five years ago is, is, uh, it's good. is, is playing out amongst my, my friend group. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So there are bits of the Old Testament that aren't... Well, I guess maybe... Okay, so this is back to the Apocrypha. So the, the rabbis determined what books... Are where, do you also, do you call it the Apocrypha in Hebrew? No. Yeah. I yes, mean, sort of. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the same. Yeah. Okay. So, where I, <laughs> another funny story. Um, so, when Alma and I recorded Psalms, like, in December of 2021, mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, yeah, like, I'm about halfway done, and there's, but there's so much left, and I've been doing it for almost a year, and, like, I'm not getting anywhere. And she was like, and there's a whole bunch more that's not, that she, you know, like points to the Bible in front of us. She's like, there's a whole bunch more. And I was like, oh no. And so we were kind of talking about like the, what I've heard referred to as the Catholic Bible, which includes the Apocrypha. Mm. And there was even like in the weekly church bulletin was something from the Pope or maybe the bishops. I don't know. Um, But it was like, you know, a, a proper Catholic home has a Catholic Bible with all, I think, 27 books, mm-hmm. it said. Or, well, if you have 24 books, we probably have more than 27. Maybe it's 37. Right. Um, but it's something like that. And so referring to including this extra bit mm-hmm. of the Old Testament. Um, so I guess, like, I need a chart. Like, there's there are bits of the Old Testament but that are not in the Torah. Right. Or included in the whole 24 books. Right. The, 20, the whole 24 books of the Torah? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. the five books of Moses is referred to that specifically. Yeah. yeah. And then the prophets. Yeah. Is that how it's written out in text? Yeah. Is it's Torah, prophets, writings. Yeah. And writings are broken up between Psalms, wisdom, books. Yeah. The, the Megillahs, as we call them. There's five Megillahs, which are um, Song of Songs, uh, Lamentations, the book of Esther, Ruth, and um, what's the fifth one? Another one. Whatever. Yeah. Blame the I don't jet know lag. The yeah. It's fine. Anyway. Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because, we'll, okay. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. We, what we need, okay, so first, when we're done here. And the writings includes Proverbs and all that. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Always forget those. And Nehemiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, and yeah, we'll think of more. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> Keep coming The to book you. of Daniel and... Um, Job. Yeah. We, I need a Hebrew Bible, I think. Yeah. And then I can make the comparisons. Yeah, that would be good. Um, well, and then... <laughs> so, like, so part yeah. of the Apocrypha are, like, different versions of some of the books that we had have. So, for okay. example, there's a book called Greek Esther. By the way, I have to say, I am not an expert on this. I'm literally, like... <laughs> Just starting to like explore okay. the apocrypha. Like I don't want to come off as like even knowing anything. And I really <laughs> highly suggest if people are interested, um, Malka Simkovic is a professor at she's a, an Orthodox Jew, but she's a professor at the Catholic University in Chicago. Oh, amazing! And she is an expert on the apocrypha. Oh, and so I would recommend people reading her book and listening well, to her. I'll link some resources. Yeah, yeah. so she's amazing. That sounds exactly um, the kind of thing I need in my life. Right yes, now. yes, she's great. But like, so this is like kind of stuff I learned from her basically. For example, the book of Esther, mm-hmm. okay? So there's another book called Greek Esther, okay, which is another version of the story of Purim that was written basically for the community in Alexandria. So it's in Greek, yeah. um, although it was probably originally written in Hebrew huh. um, by someone in Israel and, you know, given a whatever. So the point is, is that it's similar. I mean, the story is the same. There are differences, though. For example, huh. in the book of Esther, there is not a single mention of God. 
right? And so the rabbis like spend a lot of time talking about that and why. And we have like all these reasons why God is not mentioned in the whole story of Purim, but in Greek Esther, which is the same story, God is mentioned. Yeah. So, you know, the rabbis maybe had different versions of like the stories and they chose one hmm. um, to include in the Torah. You don't need two versions of the same story. Um, but I find it interesting to read something like Greek Esther because it does give you you know, different context and different understanding. And like, also I love to understand what the people in Alexandria understood about Purim. Like that's interesting to me. Yeah. And then there are like books of wisdom, um, about that, that sound almost like proverbs, you know, but are not proverbs. So like the book of Maccabees, that's <laughs> so a big one. I feel like the Maccabees, maybe it's from like the Rugrats movie, which I have not seen in a very long time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I always, the fact that the Maccabees is like a, cause isn't it, I think maybe also I'm conflating it with like all of the other holiday based yeah. Jewish stories. Do the Maccabees have anything to do with Hanukkah? Yes. They're, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. The Maccabees were the family, I mean the family, the, there was a family called the Hashmanayim basically. Mm-hmm. Judah the Maccabee was kind of the leader of the rebellion at the time. Um, yeah, Maccabee stands for, it's a phrase in Hebrew, meet kamocha ve'elam Hashem, praise, who, who are like the people who praise God. Huh. And that was like their, um, you know, their like calling or whatever. So the fa- the Maccabees, that family, there was the father, Matiseo, and then they have five sons. They kind of led the revolt against the Greeks slash... Hellenized Jews, you know, there was kind of a civil war during the story of Hanukkah that we don't really talk about a lot. Oh, um, because topical. there were a lot of Jews who were, yeah, well, there were a lot of Jews who were Hellenized and wanted, you know, to be less Jewish. And so they, yeah, yeah so, and the Maccabees were the opposite. They were kind of the ultra Orthodox faction of yeah. the Jews. Um, and they fought hard to like keep the temple going and keep, you know, whatever. So um, the book of Maccabees is an interesting one because. Although we don't include it in the Torah, it's not a book that was accepted into the canon of the Torah, but we did learn some stuff from there. And like mm-hmm. part of how we celebrate Hanukkah comes from the book of Maccabees, the right. source for that, um, which like a lot of or, religious Jews don't even know that, you know, because we don't have it in our, we don't have it. It's not in our canon. Is so there, like, I never learned the book of Maccabees yeah. until I read it as an adult, you know? Why wasn't it included? It Like, it seems Probably, like a very important... Well, it happened later. I mean, it's okay. it's later than all the other stories. I mean, the Book of Esther, just to give... The Book of Esther is the last... In chronological order, that's the last book of the Torah. And that happened between the destruction of the first temple and the building of the second temple, somewhere in that time. The book of... The story of Hanukkah happened during the second temple, like hundreds of years later. So it's it's a timing issue. It's almost like things that are more recent seem less holy. Do you know what I mean? It's sure. like a weird, like, what's the, it's like a newness kind of yeah. thing that doesn't seem as great. Um, so maybe that's part of it. Part of it is also that it was a complicated story. You know, there was, it, it's, it's, it was the, the, the family of the Hashemunayim ended up being corrupted later on. Like, even though the original family were, were the ones that saved Judaism in a way, mm. their later generations became corrupted. And so probably when the rabbis were, in the midst of canonizing everything, they were they they were the rulers and they were super corrupt with the Romans and this and that. So I'm guessing that probably played a big part in it too of like huh. not including it. It was almost like we're not going to like recognize this family's yeah. contribution. Um, yeah, that's so. so interesting because I think the like the history of Christianity. Like you read Dominion, right? I I'm in middle. I know. So I need to finish it. Oh Sorry, my god, Dan. So I know. <laughs> I keep telling him I'm going to finish it. Um, so I, when I was, there was a lot of Dominion talk on this podcast when we were reading it. Um, but the whole history of Christianity is yeah. war within itself. Mm-hmm. It's you know the Catholics being too flashy. It's the you know the reading of the certain things in certain ways. Like the the reason why there's so much like the top level of Christian and then it's yeah. Catholics and Protestants and then the Protestants get all blah, 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 blah. and then there's sort of non-denominational now yeah. that's I don't know um it's it's super complicated and it's interesting even even you're sort of thinking aloud that like could the conflicts have been 
a reason to withhold, not withhold, yeah. but to just determine where it lives. And not that it's not a canonical story, but it's not. Right. It's not included. Listen, the reality is the Jews have had, unlike the Christians, which Jews have also had various, you know, disagreements yeah, and, and all that. But the difference is, is that most of the threats to Judaism were external. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have an external threat, it's harder to be fighting internally. Yeah. And so Jews yeah. have had a lot of opportunities to like work together because they were dealing with an external threat. But that's not to say that the internal fighting didn't actually make a difference yeah. in our practice and in, even in the canonization of the Bible and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it definitely did. Yeah. So, um, and, and now if you look around today, I mean, we don't thank God, like we don't have the kind of external threats that we did. And even so we're fighting amongst the Jews. Like there's so much division amongst the Jews. Yeah. And, uh, I hate to think about it, but like when I get really stressed out about that, I'm like, I don't want to have to like have a Holocaust so that we could all like each other again and care about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's really bad. So what was it? Well, we're at 26 minutes. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Ring the bell. The Holocaust. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, it's interesting because, well, I'm also like, what I'm, where I'm at is, is it, it it's very complicated. My feelings are very complicated <laughs> and it's, okay, so there are two, there are two points. One, we're going to come back to Jesus, first yes, of all. let's do that. Two, um, the... I wrote down, we share prophets. Great. Yeah. Good note. Good on ya. <laughs> Me yesterday. I don't yes. know. Um, well, we, sh- we do. We share prophets. Um, but the, so th- what's been interesting about the Bible in the year is it's one guy. He does uh, interstitial episodes with a second guy and they talk about the sort of scholarly aspects of the time period. So the, the reading plan is um, broken up we're not reading the books chronologically, but more like thematically or yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we're in like a new theme segment, the second person comes on and they have a little chat about like, right. what are the big, big themes that we're trying to get out of it? How does it all lead to Jesus? Um, but it's, what's been interesting is like listening to one person's like kind of publicly approved, interpretation of the text yeah some of it I find very convincing some of it I really don't like you and I talked about you know the Leviticus parts of it all and like you know I'm trans and queer and like it can be it is really good to like hear the rules right and to understand that and take away from it whatever I need um and just to like know that objectively what it says like you no one can like use the text to either support me or or manipulate me because I know what the text says and I can kind of walk away. But what is interesting is like there are definitely moments where a lot of the, what's interesting, what's interesting about the old Testament books that are not the books of Moses, but still included in the Torah is it all of these books through this particular, and I don't know if this is one, if this is just Father Mike's lens or if it's bigger than that or like where it comes from, that's kind of my next step. But it's like everything in the Old Testament is read with an eye toward Jesus. And the more I hear that, the less convinced I am that it's true. That's really interesting because like I don't, obviously I don't see that at all and I don't, but I, I could see how one could probably figure that out. But we have a, fra- a saying. I don't know if I've ever told this to you. And it says Shivan Padim La Torah. means there are 70 faces to the Torah. So mm. every single letter, every single word has 70 different interpretations. I, and 70 is like an underestimate. It's like, it's like a, <laughs> it's it, like a mean, million, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so Judaism is really interesting because we basically believe in the Torah literally, mm. but also figuratively. Right. I know that's a contradiction, but we actually... Hold those but do two you take things. it seriously? Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. What's that stupid That's, saying that woman said? I know, God. <laughs> Sorry. I know. No, but like, <laughs> it's it seems like a contradiction, and yeah. it is in many ways, but Judaism does not view the Torah as like something that was written, and then it ended, and now we live with it. 
the Torah is living to us. Mm-hmm. It's Torah's Chaim. It's living. So every time you, uh, two people sit down and they're discussing a Torah story, right? And they're and maybe they pull something new out of it that has never been said before. That's Torah. Like mm-hmm. that is you're adding to it. You're adding to it constantly. Adding to the the depth and breadth of what the Torah is, right? And the interpretation of what it means for our lives. So we. I would. I have never read through the Torah except when I listen to your podcast as a story, <laughs> like just in, some, yeah. in what we would call the pshat, right? Which is the simple version. Mm-hmm. We have we have something called parties, which is like the simple version. Then you have the more in depth version. Then you have the remez, which is like secrets of the Torah, Ooh. and then sod, which is like even higher secrets. Like we, there's so <laughs> much. Like yeah, like there's so many layers, and so we've relied on different people over the you know over this history to help us out. So Belize was a rabbi in France in um, the, you know, whatever, 11th century. And his name was Rashi. We call him Rashi. And Rashi wrote an interpretation, or not interpretation, an explanation of the Torah, right? He literally went through every single verse and he, you know, from the first verse, right? In the mm-hmm. beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So yes, the question, why does it start with these letters? Why didn't the Torah start with the first law, right? Because we believe the Torah is actually a set of laws. Right. So the first why isn't the first thing do not whatever right or yeah. do this why but don't we start yeah why, why don't we get to those big ten yeah, instead why, of this story exactly yeah. why so he, he explains why then from there Rashi right comes all these other commentaries well actually you know Rashi's saying this and if you read from you know the Zohar which is the books of Kabbalah they'll add it you know those rabbis added in this and this interpretation so I when we learn Torah that's how we learn it right verse one okay and then we're on verse one for a month because there's so much to learn about verse one and verse yeah. two and verse three. So um, my point is telling you, you can look at the Bible and say, oh, it's all pointed to Jesus. I mean, sure, you could say that you could say anything about the Bible. The Bible is alive and malleable, right? Is that a word? Malleable, malleable. Yeah. Um, you can mold it right into whatever you want, which is dangerous. Because you can find an answer to anything you want, anything, any version of what you want, yeah. you can find it in the Torah. So what do we do? So that's where it comes in, all the rabbis, who we trust, who is in and who is out, right? At a certain point, we have to build fences around the Torah, mm-hmm. right? To say, well, okay, that explanation is acceptable, but that explanation is not. Or that right. interpretation is outside of the bounds of what we would say is, is you know, is Torah. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it's a never-ending, it's a never-ending pursuit of like, taking Torah, making it relevant to your life, making it practical, mm-hmm. understanding. That's what I love about the Old Testament. I, and why I I don't miss a character like Jesus is because, to me, the most beautiful part is that every single person is flawed. Not mm-hmm. one person in the Hebrew Bible is perfect. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Moses, who was considered the greatest prophet, right? The, it says in the Torah that no one spoke face-to-face with God except for Moses, ever. And even Moses fucks up, right? Yeah. Like, it's... And it's just so human. That's who we are. Like, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be perfect. You can try. You pursue perfection. But, like, you're going to fuck up. And, like, yeah. it's okay. Right? And that's how I read all the laws of, you know, when things like in Leviticus that are hard or, you know. It's like, look, you try your best. You do the ones that you can. And, and the ones that are a challenge for you, there's a reason they're a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you have to work on yourself and try to come to a better understanding of either yourself or the law or you know, it's yeah. just very, very, it's not, the, it's not supposed to be theoretical. It's supposed to be practical. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah. The something I, Eli Lake was on your podcast yeah. and he was talking about how his mom was talking about how like, oh, yeah. there's like a ton of like, like there's a ton of references to trans people in the, right. the Torah and it's like, there aren't. Right. I've there read it. Right now almost twice through right um and you know that's less than you've read it but like no i would have noticed i'm like definitely on the lookout for that kind of thing but it it doesn't have to like i don't i don't need a either rhetorical theoretical literal figurative historical telling to justify my personhood and my identity like i don't i don't need it to it would be nice if it did Right. It would be it would be nice if there were ways, but it's like it's the you know it's the politis like, and what I said to you in our chat is like, religion has always been political. Like yeah, always give yeah. give to God. What does God give to Caesar's? What is Caesar's? Like yeah. I could do 
I could do days on just that. Yeah. And so it's it's always been political, but it's not a political document. And so like even when people use it to make a point I agree with, like it's so sloganeery and it's like when people are like, Well, Jesus hung out with sex workers and immigrants and, <laughs> and so that should inform contemporary policy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not what it's for and like right. Even when I'm like, yeah, I agree. I'm also like, ugh, cringe. Like, yeah, and, and, and I just like, it's. I know it's so like you. You know, you don't start on chapter fifty-one, right? right. Like, right. it's so. And then it's it's the same thing when people use Leviticus to say like, gays shouldn't get married because it says this thing right. in this book, and like, it, it is to me, it's just as bad because it's like. Like, it's, it is a, a document that exists, that was written at a time, mm-hmm. that was written by individuals, that was written by humans, telling this story of connections to God. And it can be used in any way. It has been used to justify war and genocide and murder. And this is what a lot of people have problems with organized religion and why it's like, it it can it has been difficult for some people around me to accept this new weird religious turn that I'm having because <laughs> like organized religion abuse in the Catholic Church in particular you know yeah. being a kid and being forced to go to church whatever and 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 it's just like it's I find it very frustrating when the text of the book is used. And that's, I think that's why, like, it's been really interesting to go back to church and, like, active Catholicism has really connected me to my father who passed away. And, like, we never went to church together. We never talked about God. We never prayed together. But it's still, like, I was raised a Catholic because his family is Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, there's so much there there. And it is, like, why I'm really working on studying the text and the history around the text and the people who wrote the text why the text is designed the way it is, why the choices were made for mm-hmm. it to look the way it is, is because it's like, it's not about the structure of religion. It's about like finding a connection yeah. with God. And that's like, it's really hard for me to pray when I'm not in church. So I go to church. Right. Right. And like, maybe when I learn how to pray outside of church, I won't go to church anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I look at the Torah like I look at people. You know, I love a lot of people and they're complicated and there are parts about them that I don't like, but like, I know that that's the totality of who that person is. And so I, sometimes I say to like, you know what, sometimes I met people and I was like, I don't want to be friends with them. I can't. And so like, I cut them out, but like most people that I'm close with have flaws and challenges and I accept them and love them anyway. And I really feel similarly to the Torah. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I love it. It's, it's something so precious and important to me and and in my view, it's what has kept the Jewish people who we are. Like, there's a, a lot of conversation around, like, how is it that the Jews have survived all this time? We're mm-hmm. such a small population. Like, what is it? And, you know, the, people come up with all these ideas. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the Torah. Like, it is absolutely the Torah. Yeah. And what, how that has guided our community and our thinking and the way we behave. Um, sometimes not in the greatest way, but, like, generally it's just kept us together. It's water to us. The Torah is water. It, it, we cannot live without it. And so I, you know, what, like we bring up the trans thing. Like, I don't need there to be a story about a trans person in the Torah for me to know that it says in, the, in Genesis that God created people in his image. And so that means that I need to look at every single person, regardless of who and what they are, as a human being and respect them. Yeah. And that they have some godliness in them. So I don't need to know, like you know what it is or what it's not and I feel bad for people who are challenged with certain things that on both sides by the way like I feel bad for people who are so homophobic because of the bible and I say you're so it you're literally wasting your brain cells your 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 like emotional like why are you who cares like do you hate idol worshipers I mean the Torah clearly like no like 
worshiping is clearly yes, worse yes, in yes, the Torah. Like it's yeah. so the, the God hates idol worshipers. Like, are you walking around like to anyone who has a Buddha statue that they like yeah. pray to? Are you killing them? Like, stop it. You know, like there's plenty of people now, but, but I think it's a reaction to the trans people or like the people in yeah. the trans community who or outside of it, actually probably more who are like, Oh, there's 27 genders in the Torah. Like, okay, there aren't. And so when you say things like that, your the reaction is right. going to be like, oh, no, we hate trans people. You know, so yeah. it's just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy on both, like, they're they're feeding off of each other. Yeah. And, like, look, it's a hard question. I mean, the Torah yeah. is against homosexuality. It is. Like, it says it clearly in Leviticus. Now, you can go through different interpretations. You could say, well, it only mentions, you know, male-to-male yeah. sex. Like, it doesn't say that men can't be in love. Where does it say that, right? Where does it say that women can't be together? Fine. Go for it. You know, you yeah. can do that. But... If you read the Torah cover to cover, you get a sense that it's very family oriented. It really believed very much in procreation. Yeah. I mean, that's the first mitzvah in the Torah. The first commandment is to be fruitful and multiply. Mm. It's the first thing that God says to Adam and Eve. So clearly that was, you know, the purpose of creation of Adam and Eve, according to the Bible. Yeah. Like, if you have a problem with that, like, that's kind of the crux of the whole book. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, maybe you need a different book. Cause, I like, know, that's... That's, and that's how I feel, too. And, and, you know, I had a conversation with um, Alma about this. And, you know, I was like, I really struggle with this because I, I like the formality of Catholicism. And I like the rules. And I like having a rule book. And I like the routine and the structure. But there are, exactly, like, there are, there are, there are, parts of this text that like yeah it says it says what it says yeah exactly and like okay like right. i just right. and like i don't right. and i hate to it it does sometimes feel like i'm conceding it does feel like i'm giving up or giving in but it's not like that it is just like I can accept the reality and like I choose to still participate in the structure and like I of course I wish it were different and then I also like again part of the historical study of the like two points sorry brain moving so fast the like the historical study of the people who are writing this book the context and the culture and it's like you're right maybe we need a new book and maybe I should be the one to write it yeah. but like like I know what it says and I just like it I think it does a disservice to try and use it as a weapon in any direction because it's like, it's so easy to prove or disprove when it's printed words on the page yeah. where it's like, sure, if you look at different translations, like maybe some of these words are gender neutral or there's some context there that isn't explicitly mentioned, yeah. you know, there could have been like, you know, sex, sex and gender representations that again aren't explicitly mentioned that existed in society and therefore mm -hmm. like are included conceptually but not literally in the, the text. You know, there's also a point about like who is doing the translating too. You know, history is written by the victors, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have no idea what exact words were written on the page or have an understanding of that historical language we've done the best we can with what we have. And like, you can spend your time agonizing about what's there or not there. And I'm, and I, and I really don't mean that dismissively because I do spend a lot of time agonizing yeah. about it. You, you do know that Orthodox Jews consider the words of the Torah to be divine, right? Like not hand, not man-made. I don't, I didn't know if you knew that. I do know that. Yeah. But I think also like, but like, that's a very, it's, it's a very important point because I think a lot of people try to map on, yeah. you know, our current moment onto the Bible, which is kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. And ortho traditional Orthodox Jews are like, this is what God said. And like, yes, we're going to, and that's why, I mean, the rabbis, obviously we don't do sacrifices anymore, right? We yeah. don't, we're not doing right. any of that. Like there's a lot of things that we've kind of lost along the way because the temple was destroyed or whatever, different reasons. Yeah. So there is a, the rabbis certainly have a power to, mold things to the time we live in. I mean, that's the point of having rabbis is, yeah. and scholars. Like, for example, today, there's all this new science, right? How do we deal with all that when it comes to Torah? Like, the Torah doesn't say, if you could drive a car on Shabbos, 
right? Or right. on Saturday. <laughs> right. Like it doesn't explicitly there's say no, Leviticus, like, don't drive your car. Yeah. There's so no the word cell phone. Like, in, yeah. in like, in, the Pope doing Latin masses. Exactly. He's like, oh, I can't do a homily in right. Latin because, like, there's no word for cell phone. Like, exactly. Right. You just, the rabbis are there to, the, the leadership is there to help it turn into, but the, the point I was trying to make about the divinity of it yeah. is that it does mm-hmm. change the whole way you view the story yeah. if you believe it's divine or if you believe that a group of men wrote this book, you know, a few thousand mm-hmm. years ago. That's true. And so it's, it's something I, like, I mean, honestly, it's a struggle for me. Like, I don't know. Um, I definitely grew up believing it was divine, and there are moments that I do believe it now, but I think I also, like, you know, biblical criticism became, like, a big thing that people talk about and like even in our community it's starting a little bit and it's complicated it changes the way you view the text i mean yeah. if it was a group of men who wrote it three thousand years ago like what's the point right like then we should add transgender chapter like i'm saying there is no but if you believe it's divine okay then then it is what it then is it and is we, and accept it and let's try to you know yeah what we work take from within it. the bounds of yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i and i think too like that's a point about the new testament is like there's, there's, <laughs> I feel like when I can personify the people, the characters in the stories, it becomes so much more believable. Like, like what did it feel like to be Moses? Yeah. Seeing the burning bush, right? right. Versus Paul writing a letter to some dipshit being <laughs> like, God is pretty good, but also, like, make sure your slaves are still slaves and women, don't feel great about women. Like, definitely pray more than masturbate. And also, like, I'm not packing any cloaks, so make sure there are clothes for me when I, like, get off this (laughs) long-ass boat ride. And, like, that's... And then it's, like, and Paul chapter 3, whatever. And you're, like, what? Like, who is this? Who is this man, right? And so it's, like, there is so much... There is, like, the prophets to me... Because that's like, like a, a direct sort of line, or sign, or angel communication mm-hmm. is something that's very like. It, I'm gonna say erotic, which like it's kind yeah. of erotic, but it's like it's very like energizing. It's very engaging. It's very like it right. makes me tingly to think about. But Paul writing a letter does not make me feel tingly <laughs> about. And so there, I think like that's funny. Like yeah. so, like Leviticus is Moses writing down the words of God, mm-hmm. right? Is how that story goes. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, was God really that preoccupied with some, like with clothing choices and, and textiles? Mm-hmm. Like maybe, right? maybe, right. I don't know. But then what a good point from the, the Bible in the year, um, father Mike was like, oh, he was like a lot of these rules kind of grew up based on the sin that was seen. And so it's like Moses was up there, he came down, some shit happened, he went back up, new rules, comes back down, shit's gone bad again, goes back up, new rules. And so it is like, it is interesting, and and I I think that like, you know, not to say if there hadn't been 3,000 years of translations, there'd be a a transgender chapter. But even like those little things get lost they just get lost. And I think like that's, yeah. you know, like for, for example, instead of a, a series of rabbis in Catholicism, we have a Pope right. and we have a catechism and, and you know, there's always jokes that like the Catholics aren't encouraged to read the Bible at all because we have a catechism and we are told exactly how to feel about the text. Right. We don't need to read the text. We need to read the catechism. I did confession for the first time uh, in 25 years a, over Easter, like a month ago. Rough. Wow. Let me tell you, speaking of those Big Ten rules, wow. over the last 25 years, pretty much, except the murder bit, Wow, it was yeah. not great. <laughs> it was not a great situation for me personally, uh, but the priest was like, okay, make sure you're going to church and like go to confession more, and he's like, and read the catechism. And I was like, okay. That's so funny. <laughs> it was pretty funny. You know, the Talmud says, by the way, that we do not know, I mean... I'll qualify it afterwards, but the Talmud says that yeah. we don't know which commandments are big and which ones are small. So that's why you have to keep every single one because you don't know the ones that God really cares about. Like you could say, oh, he doesn't really care about, you know, uh, I don't know, wool and linen clothing yeah. together, right? But the Talmud says like you don't know. It's not your 
place to decide. Yeah. And so it's, but I mean, the one thing I would say about that is like, obviously the big three, which are like, you know, that you could be put to death for, you know, idol worship, murdering and, and, um, the one I hate talking about, but like, you know, adultery or whatever, (laughs) however you interpret that. Um, like those are, well, cause I just feel like that's the one that most people struggle with yeah. in real life. I don't think I know a lot of idol worshipers and I don't know a lot of murderers, yeah. thank God. Yeah. Um, but I do know some adulterers and so. A handful. Yeah. And so those are like, um, I, I can tell that those are important, right. you know, to God. But like the 10 commandments are more important than mm, woolen well, linen. Really? No. Really? You no. wouldn't say so? I think, Tablets. what do you mean by important? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like headliners, keep... right? Like, the Ten Commandments are the headliners, and the I mean, linen and the gay sex I are think supporting acts. It, it's, but, like, when you believe in doing, not just understand, like, we're doers, right? Yeah. We follow the rules, right? There is no, I mean, stealing is bad, right? Yeah. And so is wearing wool and linen together. Like, it, it's very hard to separate those out because yeah. it's all in a way God doesn't say here are 10 if you follow these you're good right it's no it's, okay here's 10 which by the way the 10 are categories of different things I mean yeah. there's all these different interpretations right although by the way for non-Jews there are seven rules that you have to follow and if you follow seven rules you're good to go the non-Jews only yes. have seven yes they're oh. called the Noahide laws what's seven there's um okay you can't oh god here we go um non-Jews okay you can't eat the limb of a live animal. Okay. You can't like pull off a leg of a cow and eat it Check. while it's alive. Um, stealing, murder, adultery, idol worshiping. Um, okay. Uh, what else are there? You have to make laws, like having like a system of laws. Okay. Um, I live in New York City. I feel like. Check. I think believe in God. Those are the seven. You have oh. to believe in God. That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, that's the first. That's a big one. That's the first of the Ten Commandments, too. And I'm the God. Like, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. You're not allowed to take, I mean, the Ten Commandments. You can't curse out God. You can't take his name in vain. You can't believe in other gods. I am trying so hard not to take the name in vain, and I'm not great at it. But I'm getting better. Yeah. You just need to feel, like like parents do. Yeah. Yeah, just say, like, stop saying that. Jiminy Crickets. My mom would say Jiminy Crickets instead of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Which I think is pretty good. Yeah. Um. Gosh. We grew up not saying the word Jesus. That was not okay. You couldn't say it. Can't even speak his name. No. It, and not lest, because lest he appears at your doorstep. No, like not in because disguise. of him. It was more of like, I mean, it's still like that. A lot of Orthodox Jews wouldn't say the word Jesus today. More because of, I think how Jews how feel has happened to them in his name. I think that's more of what it is. Yeah. Know? So. Um. Are you late for a thing? I, probably. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad, but we can continue another time. We if you should. Want. We should because we should. I want to pull more threads on. This is like a let go and let God episode. I want to do a free lives cam, a free live cams episode okay. where we talk about. I would love to gender and great religion and all your stuff. Um, you can find Hylia on Substack at askajew.substack.com. Yep. I think, yes. Uh, get Ask a Jew podcast, you think. <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure. Ask a Jew uh, wherever podcasts are found. And um, thanks for listening. I'm going to start the Apocrypha soon. This is like my kickoff episode. And um, yeah, that's how it be. Any last words? Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my God, you're so welcome. <laughs> how I'll do talk you, to you later. Do you say amen? You say amen. Of course you say yeah, amen. Yeah, totally. You guys started amen. amen. We say amen. Amen. Amen, yeah. What about There's a them? book I just saw. Uh, you're supposed to say Amen a hundred times a day. Oh, gee. They have a, they have Amen parties now where like people get together and like make a series of blessings so that everyone can answer Amen, and then it's like a, it's supposed to bring a lot of light and goodness into the world. I have not participated in one. A hundred times. It. Yeah. It's like brushing your hair. Yeah. A hundred exactly. strokes on every side. Yeah. Uh, okay. You're supposed to say a hundred blessings every day. Do you have like a check, like a checklist? I mean, some like, can I do. print out a no, list? No, but like, if you, because we pray three times a day, morning, afternoon, and so if you yeah. do all the prayers, yeah. plus like your food brought blessings, and I mean, like, you can get there. And to hundred? Yeah, I think a lot of people do. Well, there are a lot of blessings in our prayers, a lot, <laughs> especially the morning one. Uh, I'm in. That's one. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>